Hello, welcome back to OK Hear Me Out podcast. I'm your host, Danny Plunkett, here again with Matt McCabe and Joy Meyer. Pleasure and an honor, folks. Gentlemen, it's good to see you again. Oh, it feels like it's been forever, right? Nice to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I apologize. Our first episode went a little long, um, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Also, if you have any uh, comments for anything that we talked about in that first episode, you know, feel free to leave any comments on the SoundCloud link or, uh, yeah, just look up uh, the OK Hear Me Out podcast yeah. and uh, leave a link there. But yeah. uh, we got some interesting stuff we're going to talk about today. All right. The first topic we're going to talk about um, on, a, on a serious note mm. is just the future of television in general. Now, television has obviously been a thing. What would you guys say? Start with the television started like in the... 30s, 40s. Uh, first color television came out in I want to say I want to say late 60s, early 70s. So I think the first TVs were being sold in like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, I think that's that sounds about right. Those yeah, so magic picto boxes. So we're coming close to like the hundredth anniversary of that's television. Insane. Wow, that's crazy to think about. That is big. You know, they say the Roman Empire lasted close to a hundred years. Ooh. You know, I it was a thousand. Is it? I don't know. Either way, so it lasted for a long time, and now it's not here. So I think it turned into the Ottoman Empire. I think that's what happened. <laughs> and then what happened to the Ottoman Empire? The, and then that one's not there anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you know, joy potato, potato, potato. Um, but with the, the rise of streaming services, mm-hmm. uh, just recently, the last couple of weeks, uh, Disney Plus launched, yeah. um, which took a lot of Disney... Um, Disney media and movies, television, TV shows um, from sites like Netflix and, and Hulu. And it's kind of putting all of the Disney yeah. stuff in one place and uh, um, not as successful, at least off the bat. Uh, a DC animated streaming service uh, started with all uh, original content for DC superheroes. Right. So the big question is, is TV dying due to streaming? Because... It's it's we're in the age of instant gratification. Yeah. Where why watch a television show? Why have to wait till a certain time period for your show to come on when you can just go on Netflix and just pull up, you know, something right away. It's ne- it's the necessity of it. Yeah. It's being able to just snap your fingers. It's a big reason why McDonald's is the empire it is today because right. it, they revolutionized revolutionized fast food being able to just go up and be able to order something and have it ready within five minutes mm. you know yeah. and that's kind of like what streaming is it's kind of the it's kind of the fast food of television you know yeah. it's you can just pull up you can watch an entire season in one night if you want you can binge watch an entire season yeah. so and with disney and dc all these independent streaming services pop up you know to me i think the future of television is going to be all these original streaming services like i wouldn't be surprised if you see a discovery uh, streaming service that has all of their shows on there. You have, I would love that. You have like a History Channel, you know, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, right. and maybe you know you can pay for like a combined package to get to access any of these streaming services. Mm. But like to me, I think that's the future of of television. Where because there's a there's a lot less people today just watching cable television, and a lot more people going to streaming services just because right. of that instant gratification. Mm. Yeah. Um, something that comes to my mind first is um, one of the largest forms of 
what's the words I'm looking for? Makes the most money almost out of any form of entertainment is esports these of, days. Kind of like a monopoly in entertainment. Well, yeah, esports makes I couldn't I couldn't give you a number, but it's a ridiculous amount of money every year mm. from viewership. Um, and I think that the, an important thing to remember about esports or Twitch streaming, which is huge, they you know, got millions ninja. of people are making their livelihood or yeah. more than a livelihood on Twitch regularly. Um, I think the thing about these is that there's something about tuning into this into something at the same time everybody else is that you had to wait for to tune in. I think that there's something that's irreplaceable there from streaming. Um, so, for example, Netflix, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all of these things are streaming sites. You can binge them whenever you want. Um, I think that television, it still holds value in that there's something that is scheduled that you are apprehensive about, and that apprehension feels good, that waiting for something that you want, because you know the gratification is going to come. Um, so... I do think that there's a future for television, aside from streaming. Um, simply looking at examples like Twitch, which is new, newish, and it's huge. Um, yeah, there's just something about tuning in with the rest of the world at the same time that yeah. I think is irreplaceable. Like you're basically focusing in on live broadcasting, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Live broadcast. Like, for me, huge sports fan, huge Detroit Lions fan. I can't record the game and watch it later. I've done it. I, I have to watch the game as it's happening. It's yeah. not the same. It's not the same. It's not. It's, you have to, because it, there's something about watching something unfold in real time mm. that has that effect mm. to it. But my, my devil's advocate for that is streaming services are now coming yeah. out. NFL with, could very well just make their own streaming service. I mean, they already have. Oh, have they really? It, it's NFL Red Zone, which is, oh, it yeah. actually, it, it, it completely makes its money off of, you know, Showing you not only showing you live games as they happen from right. a, an independent streaming service, but NFL Red Zone actually shows you all of the teams when they're within scoring range. So it's like okay, so they they take you to a team when they're within the red zone, which the red zone is twenty yards from the end zone. Yeah, and it, it so it gets you the like the most action, like you know that's when they're gonna score right. is when they're that close. Right, and. It, it, they kind of make those kind of plays make and break a game when you're within the red zone because it can it can mean the difference between a field goal or a touchdown turnover you know, so they already have that and yeah. NFL Network does uh, stream their own games but here's the thing there's there's like streaming services like Hulu a big thing a big campaign for Hulu right now is Hulu has live sports yeah Hulu streams live sports and also things like YouTube YouTube has does live streaming now. Instagram does live streaming. It's true. These YouTube social media has their own original TV shows now. Mm. Yeah, even they're trying to become like, like one of a the big, one of the biggest uses for television before, you know, the the turn of the 21st century <clears throat> was, you know, just giving you the news. Yeah. But nowadays, you can just get a, a notification on your phone. Bam! Somebody famous has died. Bam! You know, you know, the and a tragedy happened. Yeah. yeah, you know, so it's. It's instant. It's instant gratification. Where which there are, there are those times for live sports, and even Twitch. Twitch is, you know, you have all these live streams going on, but you get to choose which live streams are going on, yeah. as you know, and you can still watch like the recorded versions of, of live streams. Like like, can you can you do that? 
I think so. I'm actually, oh, yeah, they have like like on Twitch, yeah. After streams have ended, yeah. you can they, they archive it on the the page, and you can go back and view it anytime you want. There there will always be a need for live broadcasting, but oh, my, absolutely. What I'm arguing is that cable will be dead within the next ten years. Oh, so cable. Uh, I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, I think cable is slowly draining its lifeblood <laughs> due to streaming, which is really sad because there is like stuff like public ac- access television and stuff yeah. and all that. I think I think a streaming service needs to be made or like a, a live service needs to be made that kind of, you know, informs like the local stuff as well. Well, the magic of uh, the magic of like comparing public access and local television to like the the metamorphosis of visual media we've had, like our transition into an internet-based um, entertainment source, is that like people can kind of have their their quote-unquote public access or local content but it can have a global reach while still being completely self-funded you know and that that's what that's something that's awesome about the internet and something that's also a little crazy about the internet is because when there's so many people competing to put out satisfying visual media when everybody is flocking to the same source it's going to become a lot more competitive and a lot less selective and so, you know, unless you're already well established as a source of, you know, entertainment, like if if you're not HBO, if you're not FX or, you know, one of those big companies, you're going to find it really, really hard to make a lasting impact. But it's nice because it lets everybody get their foot in the water. Hmm. And like for me, um, when you think of the journey that we've had in terms of like viewing television shows and movies um, and the switch from TV to, you know, adding VHS and DVD and companies like Blockbuster and Redbox and, like, the kind of uh, ideas that we've had. It's kind of come back to just being the same skeleton as what cable television was. It's, it's a reincarnation. It's just kind of moved places, moved foundations. Um, and there's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about that because I think people are used to the formula, you know, um, People, uh, people can either sit through commercials, um, you know, for a free or more affordable version of something, or if they want to pay more, they can watch stuff without commercials, which I think is a big upgrade. If you if you don't want commercials, you don't have to have them. But that goes into binge culture too, mm. and the fact that like, if you really want to, all eight seasons of The Office or whatever are going to be up on this streaming service, and you can watch you know, eight hours of it. And, you know, that's a thing that a lot of people actually regularly. do. Yeah, that's a thing people regularly do. And you can't help but ask yourself, like, how much should I really be doing this? <laughs> now, here's the thing. To me, the one argument for cable sticking around is summed up in uh, the theory called the paradox of choice hmm. um, by Barry Schwartz. And this is the idea that Let's say you use ice cream, okay? Yeah. If you had to choose basically between strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate, you know, like just right off the bat, strawberry, vanilla, or chocolate, Matt, pick one. Strawberry. Chocolate. Yeah, I would pick vanilla. I'm, I'm a big vanilla guy. Dang. I love okay, all of them, Neapolitan I, up in here. Dude, I love all of them, but I found recently I love strawberry. I actually th- have a soft spot for strawberry milk. Sorry, but tangent. <laughs> but here's the thing. You introduce more flavors. You got cookie dough. Cookies and cream. Mm. You got moose tracks. You got strawberry marshmallow. Mackinac Island oh. fudge. Mackinac Island oh, fudge. Crap. Salted caramel. 
You have let, let you go from a choice of three ice cream flavors to hundreds. Yeah, it's a lot harder to choose because everything's so spe- specific. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, right. that's an excellent point. And, he, and then here's I the hate thing: choosing. it's it's tough because you're just like, oh, cookie dough sounds so good, but like, oh, you know, like Superman, you know, that sounds really good. Strawberry, right, 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 right. strawberry marshmallow, strawberry chocolate, strawberry Birthday mint. Cake. You know, <laughs> some people turn on Netflix. They turn on Disney Plus. They look at all of these options, and like, and I have to say, this is a big thing. Like at yeah. parties, you turn it on. What, what are we gonna watch? It's a little too overstimulating. You got you got so many options. You're just like, I I've been at parties. I've been at events where people have gone through Netflix. Trying, we're like, they, they're trying to find something to watch. Yeah. And it's it's so funny because there's so much to watch, <clears throat> but again, there's nothing to choose. So a lot of people, you know, like the cable of just being able to. Just flip through the channels, yeah. bam, something's on. You're like, okay, I'm gonna start watching. Yeah. You know, I bet there's a lot of shows and a lot of movies that have been watched more. Yeah. Just because they were on cable news, cable television, and people were just flipping through the channels the right and like, time. and they just start watching it and they get interested in it. Yeah. So. Hmm. That's a very good point. Yeah, I guess there's a certain like itch that we want to scratch mm-hmm. in having something presented to us that doesn't necessarily make us have to like tear ourselves up with choice yeah and something i i'm not sure how prevalent this is but i will say i feel like there's almost a bit of like social pressure too that's added to the fact that like when when streaming services have certain things and they really take off you know everyone's losing their minds about the mandalorian you know on disney plus awesome show um but you know people in the uk won't be able to access it till next year and it's become like a big fuss and like people are making fun of people, you know, and they're like, haha, UK people don't have Disney plus yet. And it's because, you know, like it's, it's gotten past the point of people just enjoying things for the sake of enjoying things. And like, and now it's like people have to rub it in other people's faces that they can enjoy things, you know? And there's like, you feel, you feel like I want to be able to watch that. Or like people have been saying this about it and I want to be a part of that. And that's, I mean, that's, that's okay. Like that's just socialization. But like, there's a certain point where I feel like sometimes people just feel kind of pressured to get things because it's what everybody talks about. It's it's, all they talk about. It's almost like the pleasure of the thing itself isn't enough. It's like you need all the other aspects that come. Yeah. It's what comes after it too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, lot to think about, lot to ponder. Mm. Um, I'm a huge fan of television. I actually am uh, really interested in in uh, live news broadcasts, I think. Um, and there's definitely a place for news broadcasts. They probably would be uploaded through the internet um, more than just having like news stations. I think I think TV will be around for longer than 10 years. I think cable will last longer than 10 years because there are those people who, you know, can't afford streaming services that it's just like the ba- it's kind of just like the basic building block of you know of of television you know of, of media of like movies and stuff and all that right and i think it'll still be prevalent because of that paradox of choice uh theories that some people sometimes people just want to be told what to watch like yeah. they want they want to just kind of be given like what's what to watch yeah, to. totally and there's still shows like uh Big famous show, big show right now. It's uh, I think it just finished its fourth season. Uh, Rick and Morty, a show that belongs to Adult Swim, doesn't have a streaming service, and it it premieres on television. 
So, you know, and it kind of makes it more of an event that way as well. So television might still be around, but I think its importance will get less and less as time goes on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, so that's a good bow to wrap on it. Yeah, definitely, definitely some food for thought. So yeah. we're going to go into our next segment where I get a little lighter. And uh, there is a uh, article that I found on Esquire.com. It is the top 10 best video game consoles of all time. Ooh, ranked. baby. Esquire, and, huh? Yeah, boy, we, <laughs> we like our video games. Gaming. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a. I mean. They, they, they know what they're talking about, uh, quote-unquote. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. But uh, this was an interesting list. Uh, I just want I actually kind of agree with it, to tell you the truth. Oh, Looking really? At it, for, for what? You agree with the whole list? I think, I think the list is pretty close. There's, there's some stuff that I might hmm. change. Okay. But uh, Lay it on. Yeah, so I'm just going to go through. We're going to go through the top ten. We're going to briefly just talk about yeah. um, uh, each selection and say, you know, it, do you feel it's a good fit there? Uh, we're not going to go too high, too low. You can you can say if it fits, it fits, you know. But just kind of give your thoughts on it and whether you agree with it or not, right. I would say. Great. Right, yeah, fair enough. So number 10, released in 2006 out of good old Nintendo, we have the Nintendo Wii at number 10. Number 10 of all time. Of all time, Nintendo mm. Wii. Matt, your thoughts? Um, As in it fits or it doesn't fit? That's the question? Whether you agree with it or not. Uh, um, number 10? It's hard to say without seeing the scope of the entire 10 yeah. list, but I would say it seems like it does fit. I think that the Nintendo Wii was bold enough to try something, motion controls, yeah, which was a big gamble, huge but also gamble. a huge gimmick that worked, and I think that was important in history of gaming. And a lot of people don't know, it's, it wasn't actually the first time Nintendo tried motion controls. Right. Um, <laughs> They did try the Virtual Boy, which yeah. turned out to be a commercial disaster for oh them. Power Glove. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, power Glove, too. Was Great that virtual? Point. Like, motion control. I think the Power Glove might have been congruent with the Virtual Boy. Like, uh, you could use them together. Right. What's the, what's the Power Glove Nintendo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Power Glove was a Nintendo, because uh, you, you would put the remote, like, right on the glove, couldn't you? I don't know. Let me, let me check. Hmm. But, yeah. Um, it's such a cool freaking thing. It was, mm -hmm. it was the first time <laughs> Nintendo... <laughs> Introduced motion controls. Yeah, yeah, it was for Nintendo. Much better, uh, much better motion controls that actually worked, and uh, it actually um, sparked retaliation from Xbox and PlayStation, both coming out with their own uh, motion controls. Which flopped considerably. Yeah, considerably. Yeah. The Xbox Connect. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Sony, whatever the hell it's called. Right. The floaty orbs. Yeah. Yeah. The floaty. Oh the floaty gosh. orb sticks. <laughs> oh my gosh, those things were so weird. They were. They were. Strange looking, yeah. to say the least. So, w Nintendo Wii at number ten. I, I agree with Matt. Nintendo, the Nintendo Wii, the original, was like the first very successful attempt at motion controls uh, in in a video gaming console. Um, and they did a lot of really cool things. Like Wii Fit Sports is like one of the most uh, popular selling games. Like it's a huge Nintendo title. People still use that. Um, I would say that's an appropriate place for it. I think it deserves to be in the top ten list of greatest consoles of all time. I've never owned one, never had a lot of experience playing, but love what they did. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think it definitely like set a precedent for motion controls. It was it was so unique, I think for its uniqueness alone and the way that it like inspired other consoles to try kind of follow in its footsteps. Um 
I think it does deserve to be in the top 10, but the graphics were nothing to write home about. You know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, if, if there was, if it wasn't a game that was motion control, then it, like, it wasn't fun. Like, mm. I remember the fact that there being, like, Call of Duty games on the Wii. I, I would never buy a Call of Duty game on the Wii. Just, it was, it just seemed like, uh, al- almost like an out-of-country ripoff. Like, yeah. a, like, a, like a Chinese <laughs> ripoff like of Call of Duty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you go to your friend's house, like, hey, you want to play some Mario Kart? And they're like, no, let's play some Call of Duty. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Wii. And you're Black like, Ops for the Wii. Dude, like, let's play some Xbox Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually chop at the monsters. You have the sword in your hand. Genius. No, I think the Wii's good when it's stuck to what it was. When it was yeah, controls that, yeah, were, yeah. that were centered around the motion controls, I think they were a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. All right, number nine. Number nine, we have a console I have never played. It's the Sega Genesis. The Sega Genesis Genesis released in 1989. I believe it is the last Sega console to this date. I don't think there was anything. I don't think Sega made another console after the Sega Genesis Mm. because they just started making games after that. Um, Mm. Iconic games, uh, according to the list, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Earthworm Jam, uh, Golden Axe. And a lot of people will consider this console kind of capture the spirit of the 90s. Matt, what do you think? Uh, Number nine... Again, it's tough to say without seeing the rest, but it seems like it's fitting to be in the top ten. Um, it spawned a lot of incredible series that hold a lot of sway in gaming. Mm-hmm. I mean, Earthworm Jim has died off, sadly, because Earthworm Jim is hilarious and awesome. But Sonic, did it start on the Sega Genesis? Or was it It was it before the Sega Genesis? Sonic? Um, I believe Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic, started. Sonic's on. first appearance, I believe, was on the Genesis. So, they had two consoles before that, the SG-1000 and the Master right. System. Think about that uh, legacy that it left behind. I think that, yeah, it does deserve a place in the top ten simply for each of, the, each of these consoles, I'm guessing, well, obviously held major impacts in the way games were created. And I, seem, mm-hmm. I think that the style of the games on the Genesis continued from there on. Also, um, Matt and Joey are keeping track of, of the list so far. It's going on, and at the end of the list, if they feel like there was a console that wasn't in the top ten that should have been in the top ten, they can switch it out totally for, for one of those. So let's go to Joey. Um, well, in terms of the Sega Genesis as an iconic console, I think the fact that Danny assumed it was the last console Sega ever made when they actually made five more after oh, that speaks oh, for I'm itself. So, I'm so sorry. Oh no, my no, no. That like speaks volumes about Sega and like the Sega it? Genesis. What? Yeah, well, here, okay, here. Five more. After yeah. That? It, oh yeah. Yeah. I five more. Actually, no. Wait. Let me count this here. After the Genesis, there was <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You're kidding. Seven Sega hardware consoles. And, and these are like just like plug-in TV games. The these aren't just right. plug-in TV. These are legit things. Can you name them? I'm kind of yeah. curious. Okay. So after after the Sega Genesis, we had the Game Gear released 1990 in Japan and 1991 in North America and Europe. Um, and then, I mean, that was discontinued uh, 97. And then the Sega CD came out in 91 and 92, so pretty soon after that. After that was the Sega Pico, uh, which came out in 93 in Japan and 94 in North America and the EU. That was kind of like, a, um, what is it? What was that like a... That reader, like learn to reader, like it was like it was toy. like Leapfrog. 
Yeah. It was very Leapfrog. similar to Leapfrog in okay. its execution. Yeah. It was like very colorfully designed. Okay. It had a had a stylus and stuff and a display, and you would put in little cartridges, and uh, and it was it was aimed at no, younger I kids. Remember. I mean, I if you I didn't, I did, never knew the name. So like, I, oh yeah, I mean like. I don't think anybody considers the Leapfrog a major console. <laughs> no, no. I think I think the Sega Genesis was like its last like it was, mainstream yeah. console. Yeah, yeah. That was their last. That was their last big gun yeah. that they had, and they like and like made for people of all ages. Right, right. So I'm gonna. Do you guys want me to keep reading this list or just say with the Genesis? You can just you can just keep firing them off. Like okay, okay. So after the after the Pico, we had the 32X. Never heard of that guy. Uh, oh, okay, so it was actually an add-on for the Genesis with its own exclusive library. Added processing power and support for 32-bit games to the 16-bit Genesis. So it was an upgrade to the Genesis that came out a few years later. Sega Saturn, 94, 95. Oh, okay. Dreamcast, yeah. 98, 99. Yeah, I've heard of the Saturn. I guess um, these... We that, was, that was their fifth and final major home console release. The one after that was um, a Japan-only release, and it was actually um, a smaller... Uh, follow-up to the Sega Pico, and it's called the Advanced Pico Bina. came <laughs> out in 2005 um, in Japan, and they stopped making games after 2011, but it wasn't officially discontinued. So, I mean, it's still kind of in Sega limbo. We'll say yeah. that one's in Sega limbo. <laughs> um, but getting back to Genesis, I never touched a Sega Genesis before in my life. Um, I've only touched one a couple times. <laughs> I, I'm, I haven't been fortunate enough to experience it. Um, but like Matt was saying before, there's a lot of cultural impact in the Genesis, and like, I think it does capture a lot of what the '90s is about. And I think a lot of people who grew up in the '90s would say the same. I think, guys, I'm kind of ashamed that we failed that one there. Yeah, <laughs> we dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah, I've never been that um, so that close to Sega, but to yeah. me, um, I think the Sega, the Sega Genesis is definitely the most noteworthy to me. Of course, it's because yeah. oh, yeah. it literally was. I thought like it was that the last in a Dreamcast. One. You know. Yeah, I did not know the Sega Saturn came after the Sega Genesis. That's, yeah, that's my fault. But um, you're good. Yeah, no, I think I think it deserves a spot in the top ten. You know, I'll have to look at the rest of the list and and uh, we'll take a look. I'd but, say it deserves its spot. All right, at number eight, released in two thousand and one, we have the Xbox. Ooh, the OG, the classic the, Xbox, the classic Xbox, released yeah. in two thousand and one. The big boy. I mean. Halo. And let it be noted that the Xbox 360 is not on this list. Is it really? No. Wow. That's actually very huh. surprising. Right. <clears throat> let me just double check. Yeah, yeah. Double check real quick. Um, yes, the Xbox 360 is not wow. on this list. Mm. That's okay. good to know. Yeah. So the, the original Xbox was chosen before that. Matt, quick thoughts on the Xbox at number um, eight. Original Xbox, number eight. I also think that that fits if my gamer knowledge is correct Ooh. that's the first microsoft console correct the xbox uh it is the first installment in the xbox series of video game consoles i would say so yeah i think that's the first so, video game console i think they that made. yeah halo combat evolved definitely changed gaming and it was the flagship uh series of the xbox yeah um the original xbox yeah I would say it deserves its spot as number eight. Probably just because of Halo. But there's a lot of other things that go into it. That game, uh, that, that console, it changed the landscape of gaming when it came out. That It had a record-breaking release in North America. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, I'm so actually surprised that isn't higher than number eight. I mean, dude, to put this into perspective, 
It was released into the gaming market officially November of 2001, specifically halfway through November of 2001. And by uh, the end of 2001, so month and a half, they had already sold one and a half million units. So that's like, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, especially, yeah, at the, you know, month and a half. By the end of the year, they'd sold a million and a half. And I mean, okay, yeah. Uh, The Xbox, I have quite a love for the Xbox family. Um, I, I have a lot of experience with Xbox, a lot of fond memories of it growing up with my brothers, playing just games and shooting the crap. And so, like, that's great and all. Um, I will say that it definitely deserves a spot in the top 10. Um, might be a lot of my personal opinion speaking, but Microsoft also like really hit it out of the ballpark with the original Xbox and it, and it made an impact that it definitely earned. I agree. I think, I think the Xbox definitely should be higher than the Xbox 360 and that the Xbox 360 isn't on this list. I'm not sure if... It's the red ring of death, dude. I think I, that's probably it. I think, I think the Xbox 360, uh, just because of how long it lasted... Um, yeah. might belong on this list, but I think the Xbox actually might be higher, but we'll, we'll see as the list goes on. The 360 just didn't seem to like be anything spectacular. It's just like an upgraded Xbox. Yeah. I mean, so. yeah. I mean, that's kind of a lot what, what we've been getting lately. Still anyway. got a lot of titles that were awesome. But. Oh, totally. Right. So anyway, number seven, we have released in 1995 the original PlayStation. Oh, original PlayStation. The Sony PS1. Hmm. Released in 1995, a year in front of its competitor, uh, the Nintendo 64, in 1996. Um, sports famous games like Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, Metal Gear Solid, and Final Fantasy VII, all taking place on the PlayStation. It is at number seven. Matt, quick hmm. thoughts. Um, I think it should be closer to number five, I think. Hmm. Um, a lot to wrap my head around with that one it was it's it's a great console it is i mean i actually just bought a playstation um uh the other day at a garage sale uh one of my favorite games ever to play on the playstation um crash bash uh and also like when it comes to like sound i'm a huge fan of sound the playstation the startup sound for the playstation I don't think there's anything better. Their sound design is nothing. Top-notch. Nothing blew my mind as a kid <laughs> than the, the PlayStation startup sound. Shout out, shout out to Nikki Jakey's video on PlayStation startup <laughs> sounds. So good. Oh yeah, it is. It felt like I was going into another dimension when I turned <laughs> on the PlayStation. Mm, that's so, what they've always had. So to me, I think it should be higher. I think the PlayStation was revolutionary. That was my experience with the PS2 startup. Mm. I was like, this must be what drugs no. feels like. <laughs> Dude, I must be like feeling something right now. Holy smokes. All right, real quick, Joe, quick thoughts. Mm. I mean, when you when you throw out names like Spyro, you throw out names like Final Fantasy, like PlayStation definitely deserves a spot up there. Well earned, well earned. The, the first PlayStation console, definitely have some experience playing that. A great time. Like never had any complaints about it. And I would actually say, um, like Matt, the PlayStation deserves to be a little bit higher up um, because the PlayStation, I mean, it competed, it's, it's the fifth generation, so it competed with the Sega Saturn and the N64. And the N64 is obviously just another creature of its own. But, like, those are some, uh, those are some pretty impressive stats. So I would say big fan, maybe a little higher on the list. 
At least top five for me. At least top five, yeah. Number six, we have the Super Nintendo released in 1991. Mm-hmm. Some notable games, Super Mario World, The Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, um, Donkey Kong Country, Star Fox, Super Mario Kart. Man, this is, this is, this is getting so hard because yeah. all of the titles on all of these consoles are so hard to compare in terms of like their gravity that they left on... The but, gaming world. but number six? I mean, th- number th- six for the Super Nintendo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I'm trying to think though. There's quite a few good I almost dropped out of school <laughs> playing the classic Super Nintendo <laughs> last dad year. My works in Nintendo. <laughs> My dad is a Super Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> it's very close to home, you know. <laughs> love you, dad. Never owned a Super <laughs> Nintendo. My friend had one. All I did was go to class, do homework, go back to my room, and play uh, Super Metroid. Mm. Like, Earthbound. I've never played Earthbound. It is. Earthbound Um. is... Don't get me started on Earthbound. Okay. (laughs) I I knew that would get that reaction. Earthbound is a fun time. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, Undertale's so unique. Go play Earthbound. Okay. You love Undertale. <laughs> I do love Undertale, but Earthbound, Undertale, Undertale is Earthbound Four. It's just the brainchild. It's of Mother Four. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would say its spot is number six. It's a little too low. Uh, yeah, maybe one spot too low, but that's only because I know there's a lot of giants coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would have it. I would have it in the top five, in my really? opinion. Mm-hmm. I think I think that two there are two consoles out of the top five that should be in it. I mean, I'm a big old school guy, but absolutely, I think it deserves to be in the top five. Joey, quick thoughts? Um, my quick thoughts are it's been few and far between the moments I've been able to interact with an actual Super Nintendo, but I've had plenty of experience with the history, plenty of experience with the games. Um, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable about the Super Nintendo regardless, and... It's top five for me for sure. It just like on on impact alone, and just like the scale of what they brought to the table. Absolutely. Like you you name off titles like that, man. It's hard to compete with that. For sure. Speaking of the top five, we are now into the top five. At number five, we have released in two thousand and thirteen with iconic games like God of War, Spider Man, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Death Stranding, and The Last of Us and Last of Us Two. We have the PlayStation Four. Four for number five, really. PlayStation Four is number five, released in 2013. Um, initial gut reaction, I'm gonna say it deserves a lower spot. The PlayStation Four uh, definitely continued to polish some awesome series that the PlayStation brought: uh, God of War, Uncharted, uh, which were almost later titles. You know, they came out. When did the first God of War come out? PS2. I First God of War was PS2. PS2. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that it deserves probably spot like maybe eight. I would say it's not a spot number five. I can't agree with that. But anyway, Joey, you continue. PlayStation Four. Um, I think what's really notable about the PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four, and kind of moving forward, like the, the state of of the games they make right now, their exclusive titles, they really excel at narratively driven games. Which is cool, because I think there's a place for that. And there's definitely a group of people that enjoy that. Um, And this is definitely my bias speaking. I've always just had more experience with Microsoft. 
Um, never really played PlayStation a lot. I've definitely tr- I've definitely had friends who played it, and I've played PlayStation, but never just really struck the same chord with me. Um, but I, I have a lot of respect for what it did. I would put it lower on the list. I'd put it lower. Daddy? To me, I think it's right where it should be. Yeah. I, think, I think the PlayStation 4 should be in the top five just because some of the games that have been coming out lately for PlayStation 4, people are considering to be some of the best games of all time. Spider-Man was pretty crazy, though. I'll give it that. Hmm. I, I, I can't even start to go into like the innovative things that God of War did that oh Phil would hate this game. The, the entire the entire game is one shot. There are no cuts, there are no loading screens. The camera follows you the entire game. That's revolutionary. That's pretty cool. That is that is innovation. God of War to me is one of the best um just kind of role like RPG like first person role playing yeah, games. Yeah, just kind of a narrative it, play. Through. I think it's considered to be one of the top 20 games of all time. Nice and, game. and there's and if you look at the competition too, like um, the Nintendo Switch, like like when it was just PlayStation Four and Xbox One yeah. before the Switch came out, I I think like right now to me there's no question I would get a PlayStation Four before an Xbox One, hands down. I think I think the games that come out have been coming out from PlayStation Four to me are just overall better than what Xbox. What I will game. argue though is. Is it the PlayStation 4, the aspect of it that made, you know, New God of War so spectacular? Is it simply just the upgraded processing that the new one brought? Or is it how PlayStation 4 changed the games? Because I think that's what's more important is how it changed gaming from there on, not just how much better the processing got from the last console, you know? I think the PlayStation 4... um I think to, like a big thing to me, um, and one thing that I love about video games, especially nowadays, is I love I love the art of telling stories. You know, I like storytelling, and a lot of games from the PS4, especially um, from that like that one-on-one perspective. I think they really, really like have taken into aspect the art of storytelling, and a lot of games are they're not necessarily games like things that you, challenges you try and beat. But a lot of the games on the PS4 are stories that you're that you're playing through. Hmm. It's like it's putting you into the story. Yeah. The Last of Us, God of War, Spider-Man. It's not you're not you're not doing this to you know, like you're not playing Spider-Man to like, like beat challenges and stuff and all that. It's literally just you swinging around the city, beating up criminals as they come along. It's not it's not like you using Spider-Man to yeah. beat challenges. You are yeah. Spider-Man. It's putting you into Spider-Man's life. I will say that the uh, the beginning of the PS4 Spider-Man game, that's a really, really cool start because it transitions straight from the cutscene into you playing without, um, like in a similar vein to God of War, it puts you right into the gameplay from a cutscene without any delay, any cut or anything. Yeah. You know, He jumps out of his apartment w- window and he's swinging and then all of a sudden, boom, you're swinging. You are Joel. You are Kratos. Yeah. You are Peter Parker. Yeah. And for that, 
to me that's revolutionary because that 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 focus for video games wasn't Very really a thing, especially think. especially in Uncharted. Uncharted was one of the big. Oh, Nathan Drake. was probably one of the first ones to do it. You were Nerth, you were Nathan Drake. Yeah. Hmm. You know. Okay. Yeah, I can. I so can that's agree my with that. But all right, it's cool. It's not. God, God forbid if Phil is ever on this show because he would tear <laughs> us all a new. Well, one. we'll invite him. Phil we'll hates story. Well, I'll, well, I'll fight right back. So <laughs> anyway, okay. I think it's either should be number five. I think it's right around that five six four mark. Maybe yeah. not four, five, six, seven. I think PlayStation Four is right there. Respectable. I think. Respectable. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, number four. Uh, we have released in 2017 the Nintendo Switch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> A collection. Some notable games: uh, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart 8. Untitled Goose Game. Uh, Doom. Uh, Undertale. <laughs> Doom. Uh, Doom for the Switch. Doom. <laughs> Undertale. Yeah. Um, Sands and Smash. Sands. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Number one, Sands and Smash. Let's see. Number four. Quick um, thoughts. Uh, yes. I think it does deserve its spot. The, Nen- the Nintendo Switch revolutionized the console. Um, now, I think that a lot of people like Phil would say like it's just like the Redditor loved console. <coughs> but no, really. People love mobile consoles like the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, PlayStation mm-hmm. Portable. Um, but those can't give you something that consoles can. You know, you c- it, it, The processing on those isn't the same as a normal console that can play AAA titles. Um, and the fact that Nintendo had the gutso to like smash those together and made something that works really well I think is revolutionary in terms of gaming so I think I honestly my opinion Nintendo Switch should probably even be like a spot or two higher Hmm. Um, and I say that because in the same vein of thinking as Matt they I kind of want to say that they perfected the idea of mobile games of of playing video games on the go because at the end of the day, they're still releasing new Xboxes and Playstations, and they have a lot of processing power. They have a lot of space. They have a lot of really cool games. But if you want to take it outside your house, you better be ready to haul a power source and a TV. All I'm saying is, you get games that are equal in quality to games that you can find on other consoles on a Switch, and you can literally take it wherever you want to. Hmm. So that's huge. Yeah. Now, there's something I would argue about that is that uh, you also had... Like uh, stuff like the PlayStation, 4, the PlayStation Vista, and like mm. you, stuff that like could play high quality games on the go. Yeah. Um, I would actually argue to say that the Nintendo Switch's greatest quality is, and kind of Nintendo's qual- greatest quality in a whole, is its emphasis around playing with others. Yeah, they have commu- They have they have group centered games. And I think I think that's the best reason why it has that kind of mobility yeah. is having being able to take that anywhere and be able to play with anyone. If I were to take the, the big three consoles and split them into categories, you would have the Xbox that focuses on multiplayer play, mm-hmm. giving the best multiplayer, you know, multiplayer kind of play, like yeah. Call of Duty, games like that, games that you play online. Right, right, right. That online multiplayer. Online community, yeah. yeah. PlayStation, PlayStation 4, I think to me, focuses mostly on the art of storytelling. Where their games, their games are very first person very story based yeah and center more about not really on that 
that online play a yeah. multiplayer, but more of just like the individual experience right. that one gets in playing their games. And then you have Nintendo that emphasizes on that local multiplayer. The king of local multiplayer. <laughs> Joy. <laughs> the voyeurism needs the practice of gaining sexual pleasure from watching others. That's not. Naked, that's not the only. That's not the only definition. Know, that's just what Google that, said. Matt, that's that's a pedestrian definition. Voyeurism <laughs> can also be viewing something from another perspective. Okay. Putting yourself in the place all, of someone all else. All I know is as I a heard broad that definition, I, voyeurism is putting yourself in another perspective. <laughs> I made a face. I had well, to I think that I think it's good that Matt just cleared it up. We all. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's not what you meant, Joey. Jeez, get your mind out I, of the gutter, man, That's dude. equally understood way. Come on. But anyway, I'm no. not. I'm kind of indifferent about the Switch being there. The Switch is really great. The Switch is really revolutionary. Um, I'm not sure if I would actually say revolutionary. I think it's really good. I think. I, I am surprised that you're saying this over the PlayStation 4, honestly. But you know. The thing is, I I'm not sure if I would have I would have, I would have the PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch in kind of in a similar area just because like i said both of them have their identity and both of them execute it incredibly well hmm. and for that i would kind of put them in the same spot um okay so on to number three released in 1985 the original nintendo entertainment system hmm. with games such as zelda introduced iconic characters as zelda kirby mario um Number three. Uh, number three uh, was kind of the first to kind of revolutionize, um, uh, like at home gaming, because like uh, especially with like iconic stuff like uh, the Duck Hunt gun, you know, that was that was never seen before. It was kind of the foray into sixteen bit gaming, wasn't it? It was uh, it was actually eight bit. 16 oh, bit was uh, Super Nintendo. Gotcha. 8-bit. Okay, gotcha. So eight bit is Nintendo Entertainment System. I'll start first on this one. I think, I think it's too high. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of good games on there, um, a lot of fun like fun games. Some of the most innovative things in video gaming, especially from a music soundtrack standpoint. I'm a big music guy. I I love writing music, writing soundtracks. The complexity of music that of songs that get stuck in your head, with the the sound chip in the NES is astounding the way that composers had to work with that and so there's a lot of it's kind of one of those things where it's like less is more where you have less to work with like your genius shows more mm-hmm. there's a lot of music especially uh example that comes off to mind for me is uh Craig's theme from Metroid you listen to that original theme um with that sound chip that they had to make a song that kind of encompassed the you know the shady dark area of Kraid's lair you know in Metroid just using that sound chip was iconic um I'm not sure if I put it in the top five I think it deserves to be in the top ten though however but yeah that's my thoughts on it Matt okay um I guess I keep thinking more of like what impact that console made on gaming and gaming would not be what it is today without the NES so I would say, yeah, its spot as number three, I think, fits. I mean, you got to show it respect as as a granddaddy of the modern video game. Um, certainly, a lot that it did that was impressive for the time. Obviously, me being the young and I am, I've never really touched one of those before. Um, but uh, I've I've heard nothing but incredible things, and I think there wouldn't uh, they wouldn't put 
that console so high up on the list if they didn't have a great reason for it. So I trust other people to make this decision more than me, and, I, and I'll have to agree with them and say it deserves a high spot up there. All right, we're going to move on to number two, uh, released in 2000, the PlayStation 2. Yes, I do it. Some notable games are uh, Grand Theft Auto, Kingdom Hearts, uh, Time Splitters. So... Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper. Yeah, yes, the thievious raccoonist, dude. Sonic Tar Hero. Tar Hero. Yes, right? Tar Hero changed. Dance Dance Revolution. The, the the special dance pad you could plug into the PS2. Had one of those. Mm-hmm. Loved it. They had a Mario version. Did they really? Yeah, it was so Oh, my fun. gosh. Had all these Mario remixes. Anyways, um, I'll start this one off because I was going to be furious if this one was not on the top ten. This was going to be my one that I would put on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the PlayStation 2 changed gaming in the, ter- in the sense that the amount of companies and startups that wanted to make their own games from the PlayStation 1 to the PlayStation 2 and you know other consoles of that time period, from that transitory period, um, the PlayStation 2, Phil, I've talked about this with Phil, and he's kind of hoping to like, open my eyes to it because I used to just love the games on it. Uh, what Phil it, Branding, by the way, is one of our close friends, and he will probably be on the show eventually. But uh, just for a little little background there, uh, Phil Brannigan. Yeah. He, um, strong ex- chin, stronger opinions. <laughs> strong smell, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Woo! He uh, has explained that like that console, more than any other, allowed people to make games and allowed individuals who weren't from these big companies to change what gaming meant to the world. Um, yeah, I think that it's just, just impactful. I love the PS2. Have a lot of great memories with the PS2. I mean, plenty of awesome titles on the PS2 that I really enjoy and have fond memories of. And kind of like what Matt was saying, a lot of those titles are not like huge titles. And that's kind of the magic of the PS2 is you could find a lot of really crazy things that you wouldn't expect to find for the PS2. And, you know, there was a lot of hits. There was a lot of misses. Kind of a coin toss sometimes when it comes to games like that. But um, overall, the PS2 is massive. The PS2 is... I, I would say it deserves to be in my top five. I it's like I'm, I'm very indecisive about this. It's a tough choice. I'd say for sure it deserves to be in my top five. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my number two, but I am obsessed with the PS2. I actually haven't had a ton of experience with the PS2, mm-hmm. but the experience that I have had with it was amazing. Oh, dude! I you, think uh, Battle for Volcano Island. No, dude. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I'll bring it up later. <laughs> okay, but. Uh, PlayStation 2, I don't know. Like, I looking at it like it. It seems insignificant, doesn't it? It it's. But unless. At the time, if I had a choice between an Xbox 360 or a PlayStation 2, or it was just Xbox was still out by the time PlayStation 2 was. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think PlayStation had a, a wide variety. I think just the games. The franchises that started on the PlayStation 2, um, even more than the PlayStation, like I, I take back what I said. I'm not sure if the PlayStation's in the top five thinking about PlayStation 2, just because some great franchises started on the PlayStation. And PlayStation being probably the best quality 3D uh, console for its time, you know, I think it's really iconic. Uh, definitely deserves to be in the top 10, but 
I think the PlayStation 2 definitely was made more of an impact than the PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. So I think the PlayStation 2, I'm not sure if I'd have it in my top five. It's, it's kind of like the PS, I kind of put the PlayStation 2 and the PS4 mm-hmm. in similar spots for me. I think, I think both of them are just as impactful. Um, but yeah, I think I, I've got no, no problems with the PlayStation 2. I, I don't know as much about it. Um, I never had one growing up. I still have never had one, but um, every time I played the PlayStation 2, it was always a good time. So anyway, number one, I think you guys all know what yeah. number one is. Uh, you want any guesses? Three, two, two one. one. Nintendo 64. Released in 1996, the Nintendo 64 sporting games like Super Mario 64, uh, mm-hmm. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, The Le- Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, uh, GoldenEye. Diddy Car Racing. Uh, Conquers Bed for a Day. Um, rare. Rare games. Rare Banjo-Kazooie. I love Banjo-Kazooie. It's Danny's baby right I there. love... Oh, let me say it again. I love Banjo-Kazooie. Hmm. <laughs> Quality game, mm. definitely one of the top twenty games of all time, in my opinion. Mm. But that's just me. Matt, quick thoughts. Yeah, no, I um, as much as I love the PlayStation Two and it had an impact on my childhood and gaming in history, um, nothing beats the Nintendo sixty four in the jumps that it made. N sixty four was awesome in the sense that for its time. It was so graphically and technically complex. Um, they actually designed their own microcode to use with specific Nintendo titles. And I brought up Conker's Bad Fur Day because, interestingly enough, that game was one of the most graphically complex games for the Nintendo 64 with advanced real-time lighting and a full in-game facial animation system. <laughs> so, like, for the time, that was not something to sneeze at. And, I mean, you know... Super Smash Bros. came out, Nintendo 64. Mario Kart came out, Nintendo 64. You got games Well, like, Mario Kart also came out. There was like the... There was, yeah, there was Mario Kart before, but I mean... Like, don't get me wrong. I think I think uh, behind Mario Kart Double Dash, I think Mario Kart 64 oh, is... Man. Oh, So good. <laughs> yeah, I still so think... So good. I still the, think, the memories. I still think mm. the Double D is the king, but... Yeah. You can't... 64 is like on its heels. Matt does yeah. love his Double mm-hmm. D. That mm-hmm. I do. But, uh... Yeah, the big thing about the N64, man, was that, like, 3D, three dimensions. You have you have games like Ocarina of Time, which was, like, I, I mean, Super Mario 64 was the first real game that, like, took a stab at being completely three-dimensional, you know, with all of these assets implemented, just using the most of the hardware, and it worked so well. So I will say, like, to wrap, to put a nice little bow on it, Nintendo 64 is probably my all-time favorite console, and I c- completely agree with number one spot. I think it deserves to be there. See, now here's the thing. I think Nintendo 64, um, and kind of going back to the Switch, I think Nintendo is the best video game company as of right now. Um, actually, I'm not sure if I'd say the best. I think it's I think it's the most... Um, like, Nintendo out of... more More so than any other... Um, companies making video game console has the has the greatest sense of identity. Like Nintendo, they know who they are. Yeah. And I think nothing sums up Nintendo more than the Nintendo 64. Oh, it has so much character. Because here's the thing. This was a console that introduced four slots for controllers Yeah. on the console. At the time, PlayStation 1, and not even PlayStation 2 when it was introduced, 
had four spots. It wasn't made for four-player play. Nintendo 64 was. And here's the thing. Nintendo's never been a company that's focused on having the best graphics, okay? PlayStation 1 came out a year before the Nintendo 64, and their PlayStation 1 actually had better, you know, it kind of had better graphics and processing mm-hmm. power. It could do more things than the Nintendo 64. Yeah. But the thing is that what makes Nintendo special is that they focus on the local multiplayer, and they focus not on how good the graphics are or you know how great the soundtrack is. They focus on playing games that are fun, and it's how all built behind yeah. being fun. Yeah. So for that, I think the Nintendo 64, like even more so, it's not more of the graphics to me in the Nintendo 64. It's the games. Mm-hmm. It's the games. Yeah. <laughs> you want to play the games. <laughs> Mario Party, Mario Kart. You know, dude. Twenty All years, another, another. Games, you know? Yeah, another twenty years from now, people are still gonna be saying, "Dude, come to my house. Let's play some Mario Kart." Dude, <laughs> yeah. come to my house. I'm, I'm, right? I got the sixty-four. Let's play Smash. Like, all right, real quick, if you can include um, one that wasn't in the list that you think should get an honorable mention, real quick. Um, Nintendo GameCube should probably be on there. I think that mm-hmm. just Good in terms point. of, I mean, of course, every console impacted the generation, but. That one, Nintendo was trying to do the same thing, make games fun, but they were trying to upgrade processing and just widen their prospects. Yeah. Oh, gosh. See, this is tough because he took my answer, so I'm, I'm stumped two times. I know. You can have the same answer. Like. Oh, okay. Well, then I agree with Matt. I, I think the GameCube is a, a monster. I think the GameCube definitely should have been in the top ten. I, I'm surprised it wasn't, honestly. Looking at this list... Um no, I would have kept... Uh, I probably would have switched the GameCube with the Sega Genesis just because I didn't know a lot about the Sega Genesis. And to me, there aren't really, like, there aren't really a lot of games. So, uh, uh, yeah, so I'd just probably switch the GameCube with that. But anyway, uh, we are out of time. Yeah. Um, uh, just want to say thank you for listening. This was the OK uh, Hear Me Out podcast. Uh, I am Danny Plunkett. I'm Matt McKay. I'm Joey Meyer. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we can't wait to hear from you soon. All right, bye. Be nice to each other.